Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Almighty Podcast. This is Adam. And this is Mike Atkins from Nerds on Earth. And this is not just another episode of the Almighty Podcast. It's not. What kind of episode are we doing this week? We're, we're trying to be a little adaptive here with, with us being all caught up with the current release schedule for My Hero Academia Season 4 and us really liking our current format of two episodes of the show for every one episode of ours. That means that there are going to be some gap weeks and we thought, you know what? My Hero Academia embraces some filler episodes. So why don't we do the same? And so we're going to have a series of episodes that we're going to clearly mark as filler. And they're going to be not every gap week, but, you know, gap weeks that we think we have good content and we have the time to produce them. We'll, we'll release filler episodes and we'll let you know ahead of time, especially if it requires viewing. So like on Twitter last week, I'll let you guys know we'd be checking out the OBAs. Any heads up that we can give you, we will. Um, otherwise you could just tune in and hear us gab for, you know, an hour or whatever it might be. And some of these might not even go an hour. Yeah, I was gonna say this podcast might just delve into uh, us just sitting around talking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we so you know, today we're tackling the OBAs. We've talked about possibly looking into some of the vigilante stuff. Um which sounds really interesting. I, uh, you know, so I was watching Comic Book Men earlier, which if you aren't familiar with it, it's a Kevin Smith show where they pretty much think Pawn Stars, but with comic books, right? Yeah, it's a great show. It is. I love it. Uh, and they actually had a real life vigilante on their show on the episode I was watching today. And it's this guy, I can't remember what state he's in. But he just got sick of seeing all the crime, and so he dresses up like a legit vigilante. And apparently, he's made friends with the DA, and like this is his life now. And I just I, that, that blew my mind, you know. So I, it kind of made me want to read those vigilante books just to kind of see where they're at. Yeah. So you know, anything that's like my hero adjacent that we think we could talk about um, with with a high enough relative entertainment value um, that you guys might be interested in, we'll do that. And it may even get to a point where. You know, we we just asked the Discord, hey, what do you guys think about us doing an episode about this uh, and seeing, you know, what people's response is and, you know, maybe chasing down some some rabbits that Adam and I haven't even considered. So it's just going to be uh, a lot more laid back, a little bit more casual, a little less structured, but still fun. And, you know, it, it's content and it's free. So, you know, what do you got to complain about, right? Yeah, yeah, you guys will enjoy this. It'll be fun. Yeah, like uh, like Atkins said, we're covering the OVAs this week. What would you think about them, man, overall? Uh, overall, average. But yeah. one of them, the second one, um, is the only reason why all of these are worth... Uh, like, it, it brings up the average. Uh, I, I training, agree. Training of the Dead, the second OVA, is so stinking funny. And we'll talk about it in a little bit more detail later. Um, that it made... Like if 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 all three of the OBAs were like the first and the third, I don't know that we would have done an episode on them. To be honest, well, I don't know that we would do a second episode on them. <laughs> right, right. So, um, and if you don't know, OVA stands for Original Video Animation. It's I don't know that it's a trend in anime because I'm not you know super savvy with anime in general. Um, but it is, I think it is a a well enough known practice to. Uh, require its own acronym and it is an understood acronym inside of this anime world uh, and so so far to date as we're recording there are three for my hero academia the first one is called save rescue training uh, the second one training of the dead and the third one is all might rising um, save rescue training came out uh, i think it premiered at kind of a shonen jump festival or convention called jump festa 
Um, they refer to Jump Festa inside of the episode. We'll talk about that some. Uh, the second one, they say released with volume 14 of My Hero Academia. I have volume 14 of the manga here with me, and it ain't in here, so it has to be referring possibly to, you know, like a DVD or Blu-ray release of the show itself. That's the only I thing I could think of, yeah. Um, and then the third one, All Might Rising, is uh, it was released with uh, the first movie, Two Heroes. It was a, kind of like a bonus feature of the DVD or Blu-ray. It really felt weird because I, so I, I was the one that kind of went out and tried to look for these OVAs, and the third one, uh, it, it seemed like a trailer. The first time I watched it, I was like, okay, this looks awesome. All right, like, where's the real movie? You know, like, yeah. I, I wanted like a movie out of that. It seemed really cool. Yeah, and we had a, we actually had a follower of ours on Twitter send this to us um, in a conversation about a month ago as we were recording this. Um, Jcon82 on Twitter uh, and I, as I was kind of controlling the Twitter at the time, uh, got into a conversation. He actually sent this to us, and I thought the same thing. I thought it was like a summary, perhaps, of an OVA, um, but it really is only about two and a half minutes long. Um, so it'll get about that much attention during this particular episode of the A&P. Maybe a little bit more. I'm being a little exaggerative, but anyway. Well, man, let's go ahead and jump right into OVA one. Uh, that's that's what I've got it listed as in my notes. Now, you said it was called Save, Fight? Save Rescue Training. Um, this this one takes place um, in the timeline about a month after the attack on USJ. Yeah, and you know, I'll be honest, I, I wasn't a huge fan of this one. I mean, it pretty much just it felt like a recap of what happened at USJ in general. And then, like, instead of having the villains attack, they just went through their training. And before we started recording, you and I were kind of talking about this, and you said you had liked it for that reason, that it followed up with at least a little bit of training. But I got to tell you, man, the reason I don't like it is because we just finished watching them do this exact exercise for their hero licensing exam, and they all acted like they had never done it before. So this just felt really out of place to me. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from. I, I tried to watch it as if we had watched it in like its appropriate then. place in the timeline. Yeah. And and so I liked that they make up for the training that they lost when the League of Villains attacked. I liked that angle. Um, but you're not wrong. I mean, I mean it, it does feel it does feel like the elements of the um the provisional heroes license exam th- that feels very lifted from this particular OVA. Yeah, I think it was even Mineta in the series that was curious what a bystander was, and someone had to explain it to him. And I felt like that was explained in this. So I don't. Are these considered canon? That's a good question. I really don't know. Um, I, I mean, so I know that pieces of them are at least considered canon. So for That's instance, not confusing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so here's here's my understanding. So for instance, at the beginning of Training of the Dead, there is like a a series of scenes where Sue meets um, uh, she she like introduces her family and talks about meeting uh, Hibuko, the like snake looking girl. Uh That stuff is in the manga volumes, Um, but only that part, just the Sue Hibuko stuff. So I would consider that fairly well within Canon, but the rest of it isn't if your definition of canon is strictly if it is featured in the manga, which I don't know that that's Uh, fair. For me, canon has always just been what the author says. You know what I mean? Like if Horikoshi comes out and says, yes, this is canon, then I'm going to go, okay. I I mean, who are we to argue with him, right? Right. And you know, I hadn't uh, actually dug in to these OVAs to see if Horikoshi's 
fingerprints are on the credits. Like, did he write yeah. these? I'm not 100% sure. I'm not I can't either. speak to that. But I know there have been times before where, like, later on in other, like, you know, we always reference Dragon Ball Z because that's what we know. But I've seen interviews of Kira Toriyama recently where he's gone back and said, oh, yeah, I didn't do this or that because I forgot or or because of this reason or that. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, that's canon. You know, no one can argue with him. So, right, right. But anyways, uh, back to the OVA. Pretty much the students are back at USJ. They're going through some training. Uh, and I could tell that it was back in the past, like pre-season two, because Todoroki is still a complete and utter jerk. Like, he, he just treats everyone <laughs> like crap in this, and I hated that. I was like, oh, I've fallen in love with you. Why do I get, have to see your bad side again, you know? Have we seen Todoroki in this particular, like, costume before? I thought so. I thought that's what he was wearing at the USJ attack. Was it? I don't well, remember. No, I don't think so. It's not super consistent because Midoriya is in like a UA um, like gym outfit in this OVA compared to when they were at USJ. I'm pretty sure he was actually in his his hero outfit. Yeah. Well, Todoroki is wearing like an all white costume, and I dig it. And he's and he's got like his ice kind of in in enveloping his whole left side. Yeah, I, I thought, thought that it was looked pretty cool. cool. I just I don't too. remember seeing it before, to be honest. And and maybe my memory is just blanking on me, but I literally have a note in here, and I was like, "Has Todoroki have we has he had this aesthetic before? Have we seen this costume somewhere else? I couldn't recall." Huh? I I don't I remember it now that you're saying it, but I just assumed that was the same one because it's been so long since we watched them. I mean, gosh, did think about that, man. It's been thirty three weeks ago since we watched those episodes almost. Yeah, it's that's been a crazy. While. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, costumes and aesthetics and possible, you know, deviations from what we saw in the anime proper, if you want to refer to it as that. The, the, so what's going on is like I said, that they're making up for that training that they lost, which is only fair. It's just like, you know, if a if your school gets shut down for a snow day, it's not like you don't get to ever do that work. So, you know, same thing here. They had an incident that meant that they missed some schoolwork or they have to make that up. I, I totally get that angle. It worked for me. So this be- the, the beginning of the episode starts off with kind of like a dictated apology letter from Aizawa. And then they fast forward to 13 and Aizawa standing with the kids. And they're like, hey, we got to make up this work. And Midoriya is wondering where All Might is. But Aizawa just tells him, just forget about him. And Midoriya says, what happened between those two? And my note just says, we've wondered the same. You and I, Adam, we've, yeah. we've wondered what, what, what's the deal between Aizawa and All Might. Um, it turns out that they're not going to chase that particular rabbit in this episode, but it did have that question rise again in my mind afresh. Um, I don't know when, that they're going to chase that rabbit like ever. It seems like we're never going to get an answer to that. Maybe not. Maybe it is that like, we know that canonically, thanks especially to the Vigilante series, it's somewhere in there that Aizawa is a cat person. And so maybe All Might isn't. Maybe All Might is just like, ugh, cats are gross. Dogs are man's best friend. And, <laughs> I can uh, totally see that, actually. And Aizawa's just, uh, just can't handle that. Maybe that's all that it is. Who knows? Um, but they set up this, this training exercise. The first one is that they're, they're going to practice like res- rescuing somebody from the bottom of a chasm. So three of the students are going to be put at the bottom of this chasm. Everybody else will be up top. One of the students will be unconscious. The other one will have, or the other one's, won't be able to, they won't be mobile. They won't have use of their legs. Yeah, I, th- I thought one had a broken arm and one had a broken leg. Yeah, in my notes it says one is unconscious, another with a bum leg, and the other one is just frantic. Oh, that's um, what it was. One was anxious. Yeah, but I swear that during this episode, Ida made it sound like he couldn't walk either, and he was definitely the frantic one. Yeah. No, you're totally so, right, because they make a point of like, oh, neither of us can actually help you out. 
Right, right. And maybe that was just according to the rules of the, you know, they were like, you guys can't use your quirks to aid the heroes. You know, I don't know. Um, like I said, loose and fast with these things. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> this is great because Kaminari and Kirishima are like, well, how do we even get down there? And Ida, with nobody down at the bottom of this chasm, actually starts yelling to the non-existent people at the bottom of the chasm that the heroes are on their way. <laughs> like nobody has been elected to be the people at the bottom of the chasm yet because Ida actually ends up being one of the people at the bottom of the chasm. And yet he still like sticks his head over the chasm and he's like, it's okay. We're on our way. Yeah. But like, we find out that he's actually the one that's in the right. Yeah. I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, Momo makes the same point later. Um, she says that it's important for people to, to, for heroes to yell down encouragements before they begin their work. Yeah, because I think it's uh, Bakugo is the one that's just like, all right, do this, do this, do this. And she's like, oh, hold on a second. We got to at least talk to him first. Yeah, Bakugo's plan is to just, let's just blow a new slope into the mountain and walk oh down there. Oh, my God, I know. When he said that, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. I, I, that is so not Bakugo at all. I mean, I get that he's a dick, and I get that people don't like him because he's kind of a bully, but he's actually pretty intelligent, we found. I mean, I don't think that would really would have been his first thing, you know? Yeah, I just have in my notes, uh, where's where's all that rubble going to go, buddy? Yeah, like, exactly. Like right <laughs> Gravity is not victims. your friend here. Yeah, but that being said, Deku is the one that's at the bottom of that cavern, so yeah, at this point and that, in time... that pisses off Bakugo, too. He's like, why do I have to rescue Deku? And this is where this episode kind of gets self... It's self-aware. Yeah, definitely. Because um, Ochako, I think, maybe Sue, says, well, it's because we're in the anime festa. Like, you have to do this because it's it's like a featured special episode at this anime fest. <laughs> so, and they do that twice, which is kind of funny. I like They it. almost felt like commercial breaks. You know, like, whenever you're watching an anime on TV and it'll have, like, it goes to the commercial, but before it does, it's got that two-second, like, screen where it shows something goofy. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what this felt like. It's, I mean, it, it has its charm, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, it was okay. Midori and Achako and Ida are the ones that are selected to be rescued. Um, and I liked that because it, it kind of takes the spotlight off of them and they're very much main characters. But at the same time, I didn't think that some of the more secondary characters really got to shine in this particular OVA either. If that yeah. Makes it sense. felt like there were a lot of absent characters, like kind of in general. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you'd seen them standing around when the instructions were being passed out, but it, it still was very a main character thing. And that's fair because if they're doing it at this big anime fest, nobody necessarily wants to see Hagakare shining. You know, well, it's they just definitely, like they wouldn't see her shining, right? Right, right. I mean, that's my point. You know, they're not going to be like, we want to see more of the girl we can't see. Right, you know, right. Yeah. Bring us the one we can't see. Unless um, it was an OVA about how she is the traitor. Okay, yeah, they, they would be into that. Yeah. Um, so Ida goes, and this is maybe my favorite part of this whole OVA, is Ida is like, we must do our best to be injured. And so it, <laughs> it was like shades of him yucking it up as a villain and totally getting into character. And it was so good. Well, even Ochako is sitting there laughing the entire episode because he's in character. She's like, he just takes everything so seriously. Yeah, yeah. Ochako is laughing this entire episode, especially like once they get down there and they're supposed to be helpless. Because Ida, like there are scenes when we're like up where the rescues are, where it's um, Tokoyami, Momo, Todoroki and Bakugo. And as they're talking, you could hear Ida yelling his head off in the background. Yeah, it's great. Like, we're I down here. It. Please come help us. We're helpless. <laughs> and it's oh. so good. 
Yeah, and you know what's funny is like at, whenever I was gearing up to record this, all I could think about was like, man, that episode really wasn't that great. But now that I'm talking about it with you, I'm like, ah, I really enjoyed it. It has its charm. It's it not does. the best of the OVAs by a long shot, um, but it it was it was it was fun. It was yeah. fun. Yeah, we did. We also got a weird Mineta moment here uh, because Momo oh, yeah. is like kind of trying to explain what she's going to do uh, with Bakugo and Todoroki. That sounds weird. <laughs> but we're keeping it in. <laughs> yeah. Well, so Momo is telling them what she's going to do to save the victims. And she like leans over the cavern to look down. And Mineta is literally like on his knees right behind her, just looking up her skirt. It's like, dude, come on. Uh, I'm surprised that Ida didn't like throw him off the cavern. Well, Ida was down in the cavern. Ida That's was why. down in the yeah. cavern. He I'm didn't see it. I'm surprised Aizawa didn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Aizawa would have been close enough to, you know, whip him with one of his little uh, bandages, at least. Yeah. Maybe this I, was the I, first time he noticed it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was like, oh, that Mineta kid. I told you about in one of the little novellas that we maybe will cover in one of the fillers um, that there's a straight up upskirt joke from Mineta and it's like uncensored. I mean, it's, it's words of course, but he just says the word upskirt at really? one point. <laughs> yeah. And it's just wow. like, dude. And then you see it visualized here, which is even worse in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Cause they show it, they show you what Mineta sees. Yeah. Um, it's a little it's weird. It's not like, yeah. I mean, and it's like, a from behind shot, not a from the side. From the side would have been a little bit more tasteful. I mean, as tasteful as something like this could possibly be framed. Um, but yeah, it's just like we we experience Mineta's gaze, and it was kind of uncomfortable because, again, listeners, these are minors. These are fre- these are sophomores in in high school. That's it. And and we as the audience are not treated to, but surprised by Mineta's gaze and it is it is a little disconcerting to see i'm not gonna lie yeah i've got to agree so the whole plan is that momo is going to create a pulley system bakugo and todoroki are going to pull the victims up using that pulley system tokoyami's going to go down to assist securing each victim to like um one of those like rigid rescue boards or whatever you want to call them like a stretcher Um, yeah yeah and this was even to date the coolest animation of the summoning of Dark Shadow. Yeah, totally. Like, this was the first time I think we've seen him summoned, summoned, right? It looks cool. Yeah, usually, like, usually Dark Shadow just, just of kind of, yeah, ekes out of his belly a little bit. Um, but it was just super well done. It was much, it felt much, much more produced. Yeah. And not to retread stuff, but at one point, Tokoyami says, I am two in one. And in like Ochaka or Midori, I think is, tripping out about how cool his power is and Todoroki is like it's a useful tool even if you can't separate from it or Midoriya says that it still feels like it's a daggum possession though every time they talk about it and it, and I'm I'm a dog with a bone on this um because there's even a time where Dark Shadow just tells to- uh, Tokoyami to shut up yeah <laughs> yeah like he just doesn't want to do what he says he's like ah shut up <laughs> yeah but yeah, when Tokoyami's like, I am two in one, I'm like, that's not the description of a quirk. That's the description of a possession yeah. or a multiple personality disorder, which I'm not willing to say that that's what this is. It's possession, 100%. Yeah. I feel like, I feel I'm like right there this is you. canon now. Yeah, it's headcanon for me that this is possession. It's just his quirk is that he can control the possession. Yeah, yeah, for whatever reason. Yeah. Anyway, um, the, the first person they take up is Ochaka because she's supposed to be the one that's completely incapacitated, completely unconscious. But the whole time she's getting lifted up out of there, she's laughing. And they ask her, you know, why she's giggling when she, when she gets up there. And she says it's because Ida is so serious. And you can still hear Ida going on in the background. This yeah. is the best part of this whole episode is just Ida's, Ida's commitment is funny. And it's interesting because the person that's actually lifting up the stretcher at the very top is Bakugo. 
And 13 is making this comment about how one day Bakio is going to be a great hero because he was finally able to put aside his personal feelings and wants to use his quirk and just started acting what she said is normal. Uh, so, you know, I mean, he's helping out. He's not he's not trying to be the leader or the boss in this one. He's not trying to blow something up to fix it, you know, because I feel like that's normally how he tries to fix things. So it was kind of a nice, nice foreshadowing there, because I think we're going to start seeing that in season four. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, here, because number one, Bakugo calls 13 a bastard, I think, right here. And I was like, what would have happened if I ever called a teacher or really any adult ever a bastard? Yeah, it, it would have just been, been like. It would have been good. <laughs> just glazed over like it is here. And then um, 13 actually says he will become a beautiful hero. And Sarah's in the background and he says something like, beautiful, no way. And yeah. <laughs> Baku goes just like, I'm going to kill you. It's pretty fun. That was, um, there was a lot of fun uh, like in between parts here with the, the classmates just building rapport, you know? Yeah, it's just, you know, more dynamic building. Um, they kind of fast forward to the end of that rescue. They show us a little bit of um, Ochako being on the rescuer side. She's got a cool system where she's at the bottom of the chasm, does her zero gravity on a victim, floats them up, and then Midoriya and who's up there to catch them? Who's, on, who's with Midoriya up there? I can't remember. I'm trying to think. I can't remember off the top of my head either. Um, but anyway, they're up there and they catch the victims. Um, and the first victim that's lifted up is Sue. And there's this really weird exchange between the two of them. I so, thought it was weird, too. I'm glad that you mentioned okay, that. Okay, good. Yeah, because I, I was like, I well, was that's curious something. what your take on this was. Yeah, it was really strange. Yeah, because so Sue, Sue gets zero grabbed up, dropped in Midori's arms, and she's almost immediately like, you can put me down now. There's like this weird sexual tension between them that I don't recall ever in any of the actual episodes of MHA. Yeah, it was strange because he was just like, well, okay. And then she says something like... Uh, Oh, what did she say? It's uncomfortable or it's embarrassing? Yeah, yeah. It was weird. I agree. Um, it felt it felt out of place. Yeah. Okay. It would have been more well, understandable if it had been a Chaco, I think. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, if but, it was a Chaco, it would have been the norm. Right. But with Sue, it was just kind of like, well, that's weird. I mean, because it wasn't more than like a day or two ago that she was slinging him around with her tongue anyways. Yeah, and doesn't she do that later on? In the, is it is that in this episode or in the I, next yeah, OVA? No, it's it's at the uh, yeah, it's in this one. It's at the very end of this. Because, and I was curious to ask you this. So, just moving forward, they they decide that they're going to get all of the students together, and they're going to have them do a rescue mission where they take four students, they hide them out in a bunch of rubble, and they're going to send the rest out to try and save them. It pretty much just turns into them looking for a couple of the different kids. They find one or two of them, and then this villain attacks. And they assume that it's a villain that was left over from the USJ attack. But we all know it's All Might from like the second he shows up. Because there's this quick scene where Todoroki's sitting around, and he's pondering about the past like Todoroki used to do. And this character shows up and is about to attack him. And then you see him carrying an unconscious Todoroki towards the other kids. And it's like, okay, that's All Might. Yeah, and he even, did you notice that the costume that he's wearing in this is the same one that yeah. he wore in that bank heist thing? That's what I was going to mention. I was, I was going to ask you if you noticed that, because I like the, I the second I saw it, I was like, okay, this is clearly All Might. I would have guessed it was All Might if I hadn't seen that one filler episode anyways, though. Oh, definitely. I, I mean, almost wonder if that filler episode takes place like in episode, like in showtime immediately after this OVA, because it seemed like that would have lined up perfectly. When did that, when did that episode, it was supposed to take place? Uh, shoot, I don't remember. You might not be wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I have in my notes that the, this costume, I got a much better look at it in this OVA than we did in that little, um, filler episode, but it looks like 
a combination of Strife's costume from the X-Men, or a villain, more properly, of the X-Men, plus Roadhog from Overwatch. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Strife plus Roadhog. I can definitely see that. Um, there's some pretty interesting like conversation that takes place, especially leading into this, where Bakugo is again, he's teamed up with Deku on the search team. And he's like, why do I have to do this with Deku? And Chaco's like, well, because of the anime festa. And Bakugo's just like, what the hell is that? And Kirishima is in the background and he's just going, we can research it later. Yeah. <laughs> like, just don't worry about it. There's and so then, much self-awareness in this episode. Yeah. And then Mineta's like, when you carry a victim, you can touch their chest or their ass. Is that considered an evil deed? <laughs> it's so bad. Deku is in the background and he's just got this horrified face and he goes, Mineta, you're not allowed to carry anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That cracked and, me uh, Now, Midori and Mineta do have a cool combo move um, where they make like a little ladder for, uh, was it Saro? Yeah, I think it was. They had to climb up the ladder. Ah, it wasn't Saro. He would just use his tape. I don't remember who it was, though. Well, he wasn't allowed to use his tape. He was a victim. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. It was Saro or Sato. I don't remember. but um, That wasn't the combo, though. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was cool. Then you have um, the the villain shows up and he's carrying Todoroki like a friggin' gym bag, like by this like thing on the back of him. Yeah, it, um, and I had one note here because they end up fighting All Might in this villain form for like I would say at least four or five minutes. You know? Yeah. And supposedly Todoroki is unconscious that entire time. And I was just curious, like at what point in time do you start receiving brain damage? You know what I mean? Like yeah. how long are you? Can you be unconscious for before you're just not coming back from that? Yeah, and I have in my notes that Ojiro runs and he tells the teachers, Aizawa in 13, and he's like, hey, there's a villain. And they just go, well, we're injured and we can't help. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, way to tip your hand. Like, if you're not concerned about the villain, then it's not a real villain. But the, the students, up at, le- at least up until that point, are relatively, they're, they're genuinely concerned. Oh, yeah, for that sure. That a real villain has done, like, it's, it's like the USJ incident part two yeah because the moment they take all might down he is like i mean just everyone's jaded towards him they are so mad at him it's actually yeah they're super pissed uh but they end up pulling off a pretty cool combo move to pull him down yeah so (laughs) i really like the way that i wrote down midoriya's playing so i'm gonna read it verbatim in my notes so here's midoriya's playing it's to get a high five from Ochako and get licked by Sue while holding one of Mineta's balls. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> oh, man. <That's... laughs> it's the worst description, but it's also super accurate. It is incredibly accurate. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, essentially oh, what no. he ends up doing is he's holding one of Mineta's sticky balls and he is thrown by Sue at the villain. And he is able to grab Todoroki while continuing to move past him. I mean, it's it was a pretty good way to get Todoroki he, out of the out of the villain's arm, right? Yeah, he gets a high five from Machako, gets licked by Sue while holding one of Manetta's balls. That's exactly what I said. It is. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I started laughing as I was typing this out. That's incredible. And I was like, I'm keeping it in. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and then, so they also they end up, you know, successfully extricating. Todoroki, but they also set up um, kind of a trap for the villain where they put a bunch of Mineta's balls on like a slab of concrete and then knock All Might into them, which raises the question, how strong are Mineta's balls that even All Might's not able to extricate himself from them? Like he is genuinely stuck. Well, doesn't the it best of my- depend on how good of a poop he had that day? He must have took one heck of a slam that morning because <laughs> I mean, I <guess> so. <laughs> it looks like All Might is really trying to get out of there. Yeah, he, he wasn't able to, get, to remove himself. I wonder if there's a time limit on that or if Mineta is able to like release the stickiness. 
Yeah, maybe. But anyway, he he he's stuck in one A is like converging on him. So he manages to like wiggle his head out of the mask and then he just starts getting curb stomped by Kaminari, Sero, and Kirishima. Yeah. <laughs> who are just like li- everybody's mad at him. But the three of them are just like it's like a, a scene from Looney Tunes with like the the cloud of dust. And there's just like random body parts flying in and out of this thing. And occasionally you'll see All Might's face and he's just trying to apologize the whole time. It's really funny. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I thought that was a good way to wrap up the episode for sure. Yeah, and it turns out that like All Might had pitched the idea to Aizawa, who was opposed because they just suffered from a surprise villain attack. But um, it was just supposed to be training exercise. But All Might was like... I think I want to scar them emotionally and traumatically. Um, <laughs> well, I think maybe that's the reason Aizawa didn't want to help the kids out because he knew the kids had it. And so he was just like, all right, I'm going to let All Might get the crap kicked out of him by these kids. And then maybe he won't pull this crap again. Yeah. I, Aizawa wanted, he washed his hands and he does oh, yeah. it in the next OVA too. He's just like, I'm done. I'm, I'm not responsible for any of this. He, um, he is one of the best teachers. Like <laughs> I, I'm I, telling you, he's the greatest thing about this entire anime. Uh, his attitude, his attitude. More people need his attitude. That's what it is. Yeah. Now, I will say that the All Might's reasoning was that he was like, well, they think that that was just a coincidence, that, that, that villains never really attack in real life, but heroes always face real danger, which is a fine explanation, I guess, possibly. But uh, yeah, I saw what was right here. It seemed like poorly timed. But anyway, that's the end of OVA 1. And again, it doesn't like lead into anything that we're aware of. And then so we can start talking about OVA 2, which is the best of the OVA so far. It's called Training of the Dead. Yeah, hands down, this one was incredible. I mean, not only do we get to find out a lot more information about Sue, who is one of my favorite characters, but we just get a fun episode. I mean, who doesn't like zombies? Yeah, so the the beginning of this is in volume 10 of the manga. There's like at the very end of volume 10, there's a short little like four or five page vignette um, of Sue introducing her family and talking about meeting um, this student at another one of the schools named Hibuku Manga. Well, no, she was at her school at the time. They end up going to different schools. Um, Hibuku Mongoose, who looks like a snake. Um, She has this quirk that's called three second paralysis. And they become besties by the end of this short little, I mean, it's like two minutes maybe at the beginning of the, um, at the beginning of the episode. Now, OVA 2 takes place at the end of the internships. I think that's where it falls in the timeline. That makes so sense. So after, after the stuff with like Gran Torino, so this had been after um, uh, all of the, what was the name of the city where all that stuff took place in again? Uh, uh, Camino, Camino? Uh, the Camino Ward yeah. stuff. Yeah, because the, it, like Midoriya's got full cowling, but he doesn't have the uh, the kicking full cowling yet. Right, right. Shoot he style. doesn't have shoot style. Yeah. So um, they're in the classroom. Uh, Aizawa's up at the front, and they have some visitors from a school called Isami High. Uh, Kashiko Seki, uh, Seki guy, uh, Daran Taran, which whose name is maybe my favorite one in my hero so far. Uh, a guy whose name is simply Fujimi, and then you also have Hibuku, who we met earlier in this episode. Yeah, and it's funny because from the moment that they introduce Fujimi, you can tell that it's going to be on between him and Bakugo. Oh, yeah. It's pretty great. And Yeah, I don't remember I, exactly what it was he said, but he says something, and like Bakugo immediately gets pissed and is already like, I'm, <laughs> like I- I'll show you guys. You know, like, I'll kill all of you. I don't care. Yeah, they it did. I, I don't have in my notes what what was said between them either, except for the fact that and and this might have been like particular to the version of the OVA that Adam Adam found for him and I to watch. 
But they swore a lot in this OVA. Yeah. Specifically, they use the word shit a lot. And one of the things that Bakugo says is he calls the Isami High students Isami shits. Um, Which I he, thought was a great play on words. Oh, yeah. It's great. Like, it's to be respected. I just am genuinely curious if the Japanese actually uses that kind of language. Because later on, like in the same scene, he yells at Midoriya, which we've seen a hundred million times. But this time he says, shut up, you shit nerd, instead of just shut up nerd or whatever. Yeah, or shut up, you damn nerd. He says that a lot, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I wonder um, if it's just a to which bad translation. I, it, it could have been. I, I felt like that might have been the case. Because yeah. there was, I mean, just on the whole, there was a lot more swearing in this. And it did lead to some pretty fun comedic moments, particularly later. Um, because, some, you know, sometimes I, I'm not like the biggest advocate of swearing in the entire world. But I can appreciate it as a little bit of flavor text sometimes. And there's, <laughs> there's a... There's a swear word later on in this that is totally like the only reason why that particular scene is as funny as it was to me is because somebody yelled shit real loud. Yeah, I think I know exactly um, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty great. So anyway, it turns out that they, that all of the students in class one A and also these four students from the Isami High are going to participate in a training exercise altogether. That's going to be a um, like a survival training. Um, so they're in six teams of four. Um, the teams are uh, Mina, Midoriya, Ochako, and Sue. Team one, team two is Momo, Shoji, Kirishima, Bakugo. Team three is Kota, Hagakure, Todoroki, and Ojiro. Team four is Ida, Tokoyami, Sato, and Sero. Team five is Jiro, Mineta, Kaminari, and Aoyama. And then the sixth team is the Asami High folks. Um, so they're taken to like this training area. Um, told to go just spread out in the wilderness. And then Aizawa says, this event will begin without warning in five minutes, which I felt was, uh, it was contradictory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> without warning in five minutes. Exactly. I just assumed um, he meant that there wasn't going to be an alarm that goes off or anything. Like, you better yeah. track your time, you know? Um, so team one is the one that we spend most of our time with. That's Mina, Midoriya, Chaco, and Sue. And they're sitting in the grass like, game planning what it is they want to do they they want to travel around and try to survive by fighting because it's totally an option a fair option a viable option to kind of stay hidden and just outside of the uh, off the radars of everybody else but they realize they don't have any of the intel gatherers like they don't have jiro they don't have uh shoji so they feel like maybe just sitting still is their best option because if they fight with anybody then it's going to set off everybody's going to know where they are. They don't really have any support characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it's funny that, so like they finish sorting out that, that they, they, they figure out their strengths and their weaknesses and it cuts to Aizawa and he's sitting up there with all might and they're like avoiding fights and teaching them patience is, is a key to this particular exercise. And then there's all these explosions that start taking place in the forest <laughs> because you know, Bakugo is out there just wrecking face. Oh yeah. Just guns blazing. <laughs> and speaking of all yeah. might, I meant to say, so when all of the students are outside of this like forest area, they're just talking to Aizawa and then out of nowhere, all might comes in from the sky. And for yeah. the first time I had this realization where I was like, okay, where the hell does he come from? Does he jump from three miles away or does he have a helicopter he jumps from like the bat copter? Like there's an all might copter out there that he's just always waiting on. You know what I mean? Like how does I I don't know. It just blew my mind. I'm like, he always comes out of nowhere. Yeah, that's that's fair. I didn't think about a helicopter. I just always assumed like really early on, even Superman couldn't fly. He just was like able to leap really far distances. Right. the Hulk, who still cannot fly, also has that ability. And so that's I guess that's what he's doing. Yeah. 
That's what I think, yeah. Yeah, I don't I know. Mean, I just like the idea of a helicopter. I like to think that he has paid some friend of his to fly around. That he just like hangs out in that helicopter all day waiting on All Might. Yeah, like yeah. Like his Alfred. That's my chance. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Or uh, what was the name, uh, the character for Moon Knight? I think he just calls him Frenchie all oh, the time. Oh, Frenchie, yeah. I think he has yeah, a name. Yeah, absolutely. He's Frenchie. Yeah, he does have a name, great. but I can't think of what it is off the top of my head. But yeah, he just goes by Frenchie. I love Moon Knight. I don't know if you've listened to it or not, but Comic Book Cabinet, another podcast I'm in, has a Moon Knight episode, and it's a fun one. It is. It's good. I actually have the <laughs> I have the first Marvel's Essential Moon Knight here. Oh, wow. Um, that's cool. So it's pretty great. That's cool. Yeah. Anyway, so back to my Bakugo, hero. <laughs> Bakugo has definitely gone rogue, and I just have in my notes that he's very much like Raphael from the Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. I've never made that comparison, but totally. Like... Yeah, he's 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 just short fused, always going off by himself. Typically, gets himself into some trouble as a result. Um, but in this case, he just starts whooping all kinds of butt, man. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. He knocked out eight people in like eight, like a minute. I want to say. Yeah, and so it, I don't. Uh, so he runs into Jiro's teams first, which was Jiro, Mineta, Kaminari, and Ayoyama. And he's he's flying through the air. Ayoyama tries to blast him with his belly. And then somebody, there's a, oh, a Mineta starts trying to toss some of his purple balls at him. So Bakugo is just like, that means that earphone girl is here. And so he just blasts down into the ground and totally wrecks Chiro. Oh, yeah, totally like blows out her eardrums. I was like, dude, yeah. that's, like, you go to school with her. You're going to have to show up with her tomorrow and like reap whatever you're sowing right now, you know? It was dirty. It was. My next, my next note just says, Bakugo versus Mineta, the match we've all been waiting for. <laughs> because that's the stage at this point in the episode. And I was like, yes, the fight nobody cares to see. Yeah, that's funny. Um, well, I, they do. They skip over this a bit. They skip right into like him taking out Ida's team, too. I mean, just, like they don't even show the fight. You just see Bakugo wrapping all of them up, pretty much. Oh, they do show him. He sets a really cool... So one of the things for this this uh, test that I failed to mention was that they have that restraint tape. I think we've seen it in one of these other exercises we have, before. Yeah. Um, they had to restrain so maybe, the, uh, the teachers, the teachers. That's right. Yep. That's right. So Bakugo sets up a bunch of it, like, but like sets up a web of it between some trees and then he gets Ida to chase him, and Ida's momentum carries him into the tape, which I thought was real, real smart. It was, it was definitely smart. Well, once Bakugo has taken out these, these sets of teams here, the Asami team is like, all right, we got to go ahead and get ahead of this a little bit. So they set up the uh, your favorite character there, the Dadan Tadan. Is that how you said his name? Yeah, yeah, his name is Dadan Tadan. <sighs> what a great name, Dadan Tadan. He's in this like mech suit, and he's got like missiles, like entry missiles all over the front area, so that way he can just shoot a whole bunch of missiles out. And I mean, he's aiming for Bakugo and all of them, and he's he's trying to take them out. And as far as we can tell, it looks like he hits them. Yeah. I mean, just I, well, I straight up a, is. a, I don't know. Maybe we should look that up. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I just assumed it was like, uh, there was another character at the, whenever they're doing the license exams that was able to like target people. I assumed it was something like that. And he just has this missile mech suit. But then I was thinking about it and I'm like, well, gr- his not, his name's not Gravedigger. What was his name? Uh, shoot. The front end loader guy. Yeah. Load digger. Dang it. Dig loader? No, no. You guys, the, no. the guy that looks like a Digimon. Yeah, you yeah. Guys, we all know you, who you're talking yeah, about. What the heck is that guy's name? I can't think of his name uh, either. Uh, 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 power loader. Power loader. Power Thank loader. you. So, power loader had mentioned that the government has to like approve suits, and I'm like, there is no way that the government approved <laughs> this 14 year old to have ballistics on his mech suit. You know what I mean? That's insane. Okay, you ready to hear about his quirk? Please enlighten me. 
so according to the wiki, his quirk is most likely. So there's not, it's not even that well developed. This is probably the only time we're ever going to see him, according to this. Um, this. This quirk most likely allows Dadan to sweat a substance that makes a bright light and sound upon impact. And he wears a mech suit that can fire many rockets, probably filled with his quirk. <laughs> wow. Okay, so he's kind of like a weak sauce Bakugo. Yeah, and it. so his name... Uh, this is according to the trivia section. Tadan's name is composed of multiple bullet strike. Uh, so there's Tadan is multiple bullet and Dadan is strike bullet. Huh. All right, then. So that's interesting. Fun name. I guess. I yeah. approve. I'm fine with it. It was fun. Uh, so they go to go see the wreckage. And as they walk out into this field, they are, it's weird because their class leader, whose name was uh, Kashiko Sakakege, I tried. Yeah, Kashiko, yeah. She's not able to detect life signs, so I'm guessing she's got some sort of like radar quirk. Uh, but she mentions that she can she couldn't detect life, and then all of the students pop out of this like I don't know. It looked like a pea pod, you know. Yeah, yeah. Momo is in this group, and she makes something that is able to shield them from her somehow. Right, and this was a really cool scene because as they all pop out. Uh, Sue's friend looks over with her three second paralysis and we see this Fujimi guy start to like power up kind of. And at first I thought his power is going to be like Vlad's because he's got these like, they kind of look like, um, they remind me of freeze from the old Batman movie mm-hmm. with Arnold Schwarzenegger where he's got all these like tubing and whatnot all over his body. Yeah. So yeah. it's like tubes that fill up with this like red stuff. And I was like, Oh cool. This is going to be a Vlad like character. Like we're going to see another really cool blood quirk. Uh, and Momo's team gets paralyzed and they look over and Bakugo is up in the air. So he jumped right before he got hit. He's paralyzed midair and then he comes back to and he's like, oh, three seconds, huh? I can get around that. And all of a sudden, all this mist just pops out of Fujimi. He's like blowing all of this gas everywhere. Yeah, I have in my notes that Bakugo jumps before being paralyzed, so he looks like a Bakugo balloon at the Macy's Day Parade oh, without totally. any controllers. Yeah, he totally He's just did. like flapping. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's pretty funny. It is funny. Um, so Aizawa is apparently familiar with the uh, Ishima High quirks because he's immediately concerned about the gas. He wants to call off the exercise, but uh, All, All Might's just, just like, like ah, whatever. let it go, it's fine. It'll be okay. Um, <laughs> so Aizawa's just like, all right, well, anything that happens after this is on you. And it turns out that this dude's quirk turns people into zombies. Right? His quirk is literally named zombie virus. Oh, it's so <laughs> incredible. So, like, everyone's just walking around with their mouths wide open, and, like, they're gray-looking now, and they're they're not totally dumb. I mean, they appear to be semi-conscious of what they're doing, but they, yeah. they have to randomly use their quirks. Like, it's goofy, man. So it's the the description, I assume from present Mike, I wasn't paying that much attention. I was trying to type, but uh, victim, the victims cannot be damaged. All brain activity stops. So they show like to emphasize that they, this, they show Shoji just banging his head into a tree. They all randomly use their quirks, which is easily the most dangerous part of this. Um, but they also just go, ah, is what the, the quirk description <laughs> is just that they also go, ah, which is easily the funniest part of the entire quirk. And it seemed like if they bite other people, then they also turn into zombies. Because at one point, Sue gets bit by somebody, and she turns into a zombie. Yeah, yeah. So they, they show in quick succession, like, Kaminari has already made himself an idiot. He's already discharged enough, so he's this mumbling idiot. Saro has completely wrapped himself up. He looks like a mummy. Momo has made about a billion nesting dolls. Ida is now running himself into a tree. And Fujimi starts to brag, but he gets bit by Bakugo. 
Yeah, because Bakugo is um, still willing to fight. He's like, even though he's a zombie and he's just blasting the air everywhere, he ends up biting Fujimi. Yeah, and this, this, so a lot of what takes place after that particular moment in this uh, OVA reminded me of Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, totally. Because there, there are certain port, parts in Shaun of the Dead, which is one of my favorite movies of all time and absolutely needs to be watched by anybody hearing me right now, um, is there's an ongoing, almost like a running joke or a theme where is the person that is zombified, do they retain any part of their personality? Absolutely, according to both Shaun of the Dead and this OVA, because Bakugo is still coming hard after Fujibi. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I thought that was a nice touch. And you also get, there's a there's a moment between Sue and Hibuku a little bit later on where Sue thinks she's breaking through to Hibuku before she gets bit. Um, because Aoyama just rolls up and bites Sue. And she gets turned into a zombie as well. Well, do, weren't they... Like best friends, even in zombiehood, I feel like someone mentioned that because they they end up hugging each other, and someone says like, "Oh, look at that!" Even in, when they're zombies, they're still best friends, and then that's yeah, when she gets yeah. bit. So yeah, that's so definitely they, there. It's pretty funny. They show it in a bunch of smaller ways too. Like Coda is a silent zombie, just like he is, yeah. like normally. Yeah. <laughs> Mineta is still a horn dog because he's like feeling up Kashiko's boobs, who is also a zombie. Right. So they retain some small piece of who they are. So anyway, All Might decides that he's got to put an end to this at this point for whatever reason, this point. Um, yeah. So he, he arrives on the scene, but when he lands on the ground from his helicopter, of course, he, he pops into Jinko Jean's form. Yeah, and all the kids immediately run off and they scream something like, oh God, there's a stranger zombie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a, because poor Deku knows, so he's the only one that's like, oh crap, what, do, what am I going to do with this? You know. So he runs with them. Uh, and what the, my favorite part of this whole OVA, though, is that he turns around and he sees all those zombies coming in as they walk past him. I think it's Sato that like pats him on the shoulder and like yep. confirming that yes, we also agree you look like a zombie. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty great. And I think that this is the part where All Might just yells shit at the top of his yeah, lungs. I think he does. Because... He turns around and sees those zombies. Aizawa <laughs> is not intervening at all. Did... He's already washed his hands entirely of this whole thing. Saying, I don't think he shows back up after this, does he? I don't think no, so. No, because I don't like. I feel like there was a scene where you like they pan across that mountain that they were standing up on previously, and he's, and he's not even there. I think yeah. he just noped out of there. Like he saw those zombies and was like, "F this, I'm going home." <laughs> yeah. So like Todoroki, Midoriya, and a couple others are holed up in this cave, which is dumb. Like one entry, one exit. Why would you do that? This is a survival test, after all. They should have failed on that by on that itself. premise by itself. Yeah, because Todoroki <laughs> traps them in the cave. Like he uses eyes to right. trap them in. Wow. Okay. And then somebody in there is like, well, how do the protagonists in a zombie movie usually escape? And somebody else in the cave, I, I didn't credit who with who, but uh, or these lines with whom, but uh, somebody's just like, eh, they mostly end badly. So everybody's like really nervous. Yeah. Yeah. This is. Kashiko is on the outside of that ice trying to use Mineta as a battering ram. Like they're trying to break through, but Midoriya's plan is to just smash all the zombies while they can't be damaged. That's his plan, anyway. How does it turn out? Well, it doesn't turn out super well for him, because he charges up, and he's about to do a full cowling smash, and as he breaks through the ice that Todoroki has sealed off the cavern with, uh, it, I mean, he demolishes, like, everybody, and as they're falling to the ground, they're all screaming, and they're like, oh my god, what did you do this for, you know? And so they're all freaking out, and he's freaking out, because now he realizes that he's just attacked all of his classmates that are completely normal and no longer zombies, and ba right. Bakugo sees this as an opportunity. He's like, oh, you want to fight now, huh? All right, let's do it. And I, I'm assuming he gets the crap kicked out of him. He uses the howitzer move on Midoriya. Is that what he did? 
Yeah, that super move that we saw at the festival, he totally that. brings it down on Yeah, because like a couple seconds later, we get a scene with Midoriya, and he's all bandaged up, and he's just looking rough. He's in more, Midoriya's in more bandages at the end of this episode than we've ever seen Aizawa in. Yeah, yeah. That howitzer uh, move must be like, that must take a toll on somebody. Yeah, and uh, I, my notes also say that it was just raining Class 1A yeah, at really the end was. of that scene. Yeah. They're all just like falling out of the sky everywhere. <laughs> and Midoriya's super apologetic. But then later on, All Might is trying to apologize to Midoriya, and he brings like some cake to Midoriya in the hospital. Um, and you cannot see any exposed skin on Midoriya. He's completely bandaged, uh, bandaged up. Um, and, uh, so anyway, All Might is bringing these cakes, and Midoriya's just crying, and he's just like, I can't eat these. And then that's the end of the episode. It cuts right there. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. There is a this, good moment, this though. This OVA made me laugh the entire time. It is so stinking funny. Oh, it is. It's, it's one of the better OVAs that I've seen. Well, it's definitely the best out of these three. It's been one of my more favorite oh, episodes of My Hero too. Like, I actually just enjoy yeah. it. It's just goofy fun, you know? Exactly. Especially since we just ended Halloween. I mean, you know, Halloween was last week, so it, it felt like it fit kind of this, like, transition into, you know, the November area, the November time. Yeah. I will say, though, I did like the scene. We, we haven't mentioned it. At the end of this episode where the class reps of each school make Fujimi and Bakugo apologize oh, to each other. And it's not right. saying anything. They just like butthead each other. They butthead. They headbutt each other. Headbutt. <clears throat> yeah. And they had complained. It's, it's, um, is Ida out there? Yeah. Cause it's Ida and it's also Kashiko. And they're both standing there like, apologize. I know Momo, earlier on in the scene, Momo and Kashiko are commiserating over their tough students in the changing room, and they're talking about Fujimi and Bakugo, who are like nearly coming to the point where they're beating each other up in the locker room before the ex- actual exercise begins. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. OVA 2, Training of the Dead, is, it's great. It is required watching for My Hero fans. It is so much darn fun. Yeah, it really is. I don't care if it's not canon. It is It is just a delight, and it must be watched. For sure, for sure. Well, OVA 3... But that leaves us just the third one. Yeah, and the third one's good. I, I mean, I liked it. It's like two minutes long. So, you know, you can uh, watch it while you're like walking to the bus stop or, or walking to your car. I mean, it's super short. It, it felt like a trailer for like a real thing, you know? It did. It was weird. And this... I do think that this was adapted from something too, I want to say. I almost but feel I like don't know what. it's cut scenes from the movie. I mean, I'll be honest, man. It feels like they had a... Because it pretty much explains why All Might was in America after he graduated from UA. That's really mm-hmm. all this does. And it felt like this could have been the intro to the movie instead of having that weird intro where he's with David. So I almost wonder if this was the actual intro or if this was cut scenes from the first 10 minutes of the movie. Well, it does say... Um, the wiki says that this is that All Might Rising is a short one shot released in volume origin of the manga, and it's only ten pages. I mean, so that explains the length that we saw of the actual OVA okay, too, because it is quite short. Yeah. It's two and a half minutes or something. Like right. That. I mean, basically, it starts off. We see uh, Nana pushing Toshinori away from what appears to be, I would say, on uh, the final fight between them with All for One. Definitely. So, and it looked he epic w- too, man. Alpha One looks like he's standing on a giant foot. Yeah, that was kind of... Did I you notice it was that? a statue that he had destroyed. Okay. Because, I mean, everything was, around them was totally wrecked. Either that or it was a yeah. weird quirk. I think it was you that had mentioned, I just edited this episode, where you said, imagine living in a world where anything weird that happens, you can simply dismiss by saying, eh, it's probably a quirk. 
Right, and you just did that exact I thing. I did. It's <laughs> normalized now. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. How do you how do you talk about causality in a world full of quirks? Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It makes this podcast a lot of fun. Yeah, but yeah, so he's there up on a big foot, and I mean, it everything looks really wrecked, and she like pushes All Might away for from from her. And Gran Torino jumps in and grabs him and is just like rushing away from the scene. Uh, and it explains that All Might was actually 18 when this happened and hadn't even graduated UA yet. So, I mean, he was just a kid. Yeah. And uh, Nana says to Toshinori, I'm leaving the rest to you. And points at All Might, says, I'm counting on you. And this is all very, in my opinion, very intentionally reminiscent of All Might doing functionally the same thing to oh, Deku. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it does, this OVA doesn't do like a ton, like doesn't accomplish a bunch, but it does provide some really cool context for the Gran Torino All Might relationship that we don't get to see much of in the anime or the manga itself. Like you remember when we first hear about Gran Torino and we're learning about who he was to All Might, we get to see this mentor mentee relationship, but it looks almost abusive. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it definitely does. (laughs) And very, and very curious to us, but this, this colors that in a little bit more. It it fills in um, some space between the lines that, you know, maybe we could have read into a little bit more, but now it's, now it's more textual than, than um, implied. And if it, if it does nothing else, but that, I think that that was a pretty neat way. Uh, to get around to doing that yeah it definitely it was a really neat way to get it in uh because they've got all these really cool scenes of them training together and grand torino like talking to all might and telling him like hey man when you graduate you got to get out of here because uh hey i call him afo in my notes all for one is gonna kill you you know he's like he's gonna know where you're at you're gonna have to go across the seas is what he says he says he's got eyes everywhere on this side so uh, and it's you know this is also another moment where we kind of get a little bit more insight on the relationship between All Might and uh, Nana as well because he says that he sees her as his mother, which I mean mm-hmm. that's incredible you know so I thought that was that was a, a pretty big insight I don't know that I had realized that they were that close like I got that there was mentorship there but not like parental you know what I mean parental parental <laughs> yeah. It's a good. We, we all know what you're talking I'm about. I'm glad you guys do. We, we, we filter everything through our atom filters. So. <laughs> um, I do really like the scene in this too. And I couldn't tell. I think it's right before he leaves Japan for the US. But there's a scene where he's looking into a mirror and his eyes are kind of angry almost looking. Yeah, they um, were very different looking. Like he had a very serious face on you know before this wasn't your typical like smiley all might you know what i mean right but he takes his fingers and he pushes the corners of his mouth up uh to to force that smile onto his face and it reminded me of when all for one was doing the same thing to kind of mock him yeah that was pretty Uh, cool yeah but in this scene i just you know he's he's this is almost like the origin of the hero that always smiles. This scene right here. And I liked that too, where he was just like, this is what I have to do. It's not, it's, it made it feel like smiling wasn't just something that Toshinori always did, but it's something that Toshinori knows he had to do. And so he did it, even when it was hard, even when he had to physically, you know, plant a smile on his face and the way that they visually depicted that here was really neat. And I liked it. Yeah. I liked it a lot too. I mean, it's, it's him putting on his costume. Like that smile is as much of his costume as his, as the spandex and everything else. 
Yeah, now, I will say though, my favorite part from this moment uh, is right before he puts on that smile. He's standing in front of the mirror, and his like weird hair flap thingies are down, like his <laughs> Pidgeotto hair, and he just like lifts it up and it stays. There's no gel on his hands. There's nothing. They just it's like a part of his quirk that we didn't know about because those things didn't come down for like thirty years. Yeah, it did. Uh, it kind of reminded me of that scene from. Um Oh man, there's something about Mary. Is that the oh, name of that gosh, movie? Yes, <laughs> man. I With, know like exactly Ben Stiller what you're and Cameron about. Diaz. That's a Manetta moment, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to see that scene and think of that movie. No, you're totally honestly, right. The way that it takes place, but. Um, the, the OVA kind of ends with All Might saying, um, you know, basically he, when he comes back, he's going to have the power, uh, that he needs to, to save everyone. Uh, I'll definitely be back with the power to save everyone. And he, and we, we get to see that he, he lives into that. He, he holds up the promise. I mean, we, we have the benefit of, of foresight, um, from the, the perspective of, of where this OVA takes place in the timeline, to know that he makes this promise and he keeps it and, and, it, and it's costly and he still, he still satisfies that promise that he makes to us, yeah. you know, to, I guess not just to the listeners, but to, to the world. Um, so short, yes. Um, but effective and st- still powerful. It was very fulfilling. To watch. Yeah. It was a, it was a good two and a half minutes. Yeah. So great. Well, that's it. Those are the three OVAs, guys. Yeah, I hope that they do some more in the future. I'd like to see, because these don't feel like fillers, you know what I mean? But they, they don't really add too much extra to the story, but they're fun, you know? Yeah, I mean, they can Can you get by as a My Hero fan without having seen the OVAs? Sure. I mean, like, totally, um, easily. Will you have missed out on some things? Yeah, uh, but nothing absolutely essential. This is all... The, the, these are the quintessential like cherries on top, you know, um, extras that definitely highlight and improve upon. But, you know, it's still a Sunday without these things. But if you can track them down um, and watch them, they're they're worthwhile. Definitely. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I got to say, though, I'm looking forward to the next two episodes of season four, which I think are what episodes three and four. Of that season, yeah, yeah. and I, I don't know what episode 66 and 67 or something like that. I, I think it's, it's probably actually 68 track. and 69, but who knows? Well, I'm sure you guys will know. We'll put it in the episode titles next week. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we'll be, we should be releasing, yeah, uh, our, our standard episode next month. Yeah, yep, for sure. We're gonna, we got one more in the bag for you guys. So, But this one's been yep. fun. I enjoyed the OVAs. Uh, just looking forward to getting back into our regular production season. Yeah, and you know, who knows when the next filler will come. If you have a great idea of uh, content for some of these filler episodes that might not always be as long as this one is, you know, hit us up on Twitter at AlmightyPod, join the Discord, uh, and drop us some of these ideas, and we'll run with them to the best of our ability. Who knows, maybe we even have um, some guests on at some point to to talk more about this stuff. We're, We're totally open, flexible to any and all ideas. Um, but beholden to none of them. Definitely. Full disclosure. Definitely. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I think this has been a fun episode. Uh, I think we're done for the week. What do you think, man? Sounds like a good place to end to me. I think so. Have a good one, guys. We'll see you next week. Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. 
You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash BackPatioNetwork. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O. See ya.